Well, you know, last week we started a, uh, a new group of lessons that I called, Yeah, But What Abouts? You know, what about this? What about that? Now that we've talked about the new covenant and how it's complete and how we are complete in Christ, but we still deal with things, you know, like what about sin that we still commit? What about, okay, we're not under law, we're under grace, but what about the law? What do you do about that? What about um, getting along with other people? We'll look at a lot of different topics that it seems like at times, I don't know for you, but it does for me, that uh, the new life I have in Christ, I, I can't figure out how to make that uh, a reality in my moments of the day, those things that I deal with, those things that um, I would like to have more control over, more victory over, better responses in, and so forth. Uh, because the world we live in is built around basically performance. You know, there's certain things expected of us, and if you don't, you get in trouble. You know, speeding on the road, breaking this law or that law, um, you know, saying... <laughs> something that offends somebody, you know, in the, in the family dinner at Thanksgiving time, and next thing you know, the, all the joyfulness is gone and it sucked all the air out of the room and all of that. And what, how, do we, how do we fix those situations? How do we respond differently so that um, we get different outcomes in our relationships? Or at least, like the Bible says, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. You, know, you can do your part. Doesn't mean they'll always respond back, whoever they are, uh, but we can do our part. Well, how do we do that? Well, because the world we live in is built around basically rules and regulations, and it's, it's normal to feel like, well, just don't do bad stuff and always do good stuff. And that sounds biblical. You know, you had the law that was given through Moses, and it started with the Ten Commandments and all of that. And there are other laws about what you eat and what you don't eat and how many things you can do on the Sabbath and what you can't do on the Sabbath and um, rules about, you know, what if you accidentally kill your neighbor's donkey? Uh, how do you restore that? You know, yet the Bible teaches in that case, you had to give them four donkeys, you know, or something like that. You had to restore it fourfold. And so there, was, there were laws that were given. And so it's natural for us to feel like, well, okay, to be a good Christian, to be uh, an obedient child of God, I need to figure out all the things the law said and finally start keeping those things. Well, then it gets kind of sticky because, well, what about this thing about um, you can't eat shellfish <laughs> or um, just the different laws that were particular to the nation of Israel? And that's one of the keys we're going to look at today when we look at the law. You know, a while back we talked about how the law was given and it really provided a bright light in a dark place. It was given to us by God. It's good and it's righteous. It's holy and all those kind of things. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, but it was given for purpose. And that purpose, we can't alter it and use it for something else because it doesn't actually work for something else. You know, one place the Bible says... Um, by works the law shall no flesh be justified. So it can't make you right before God. Um, it talks about uh, the law being um, enslaving in Galatians chapter 2. It's weak, worthless, and enslaving. Um, all right, so what's wrong with it? Well, there's actually nothing wrong with it. In um, 
2 Corinthians 3, 5 through 6, it says, Not that we are adequate in ourselves as considering anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of the new covenant, not of the letter, referring to the law, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The covenants are different. First of all, the covenant given through Moses was given for the nation of Israel. It wasn't given to the world. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have applications for the world. It still reveals sin. And again, that's that light in a dark place. You know, if I walk into a room with a, a black outfit on and it's real dark in the room and there's white lint and stuff all over my black outfit, nobody can see it because it's dark. But you turn on a light and suddenly everybody sees it. Okay, that's all the law did. But it doesn't clean up my suit. doesn't make me look better. It just reveals that I looked bad. And that's all it ever did. That's the reason it was given, to reveal things. And for that reason, it's good and it's righteous and it's holy. It talks about in uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 12 and 13. There's nothing wrong with the law, but it only does what it does. It can't make you right before God. Like, like, like I said a while ago, Scripture tells us, by works the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. There's nothing about keeping the law that makes us more acceptable to God. So what he did is he gave us a new covenant. And it's this covenant through the Spirit. Who? The Spirit of Christ, uh, who comes to live inside of us. We looked at it a while back, how the temple was cleansed by the blood, and after that, the presence of God moved in. Well, the Bible says that this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When a person turns to Christ, we are cleansed, and he moves into this temple and begins to live, if you will, in us. But his desire is also to live through us so that the way he lives is evident by the way we live. Again, it was a covenant with Israel, the law was. Uh, but it sounds like a good idea. Well, you know, let's just use parts of it. Um, you know, we'll use this part and not that part. Those dietary laws, they don't really apply anymore, but the law is about not lying and stealing. Okay, it's still a bad idea to lie and steal and, and those things that are uh, talked about in the law is prohibited by God. But just telling people not to lie, not to steal, not to commit adultery, you know, not to bear false witness, uh, not to covet, you know, um, that doesn't keep them from doing those things. In fact, it tends to stir it up. You know, the Bible says that uh, through the law, transgressions were increased. Uh, it's like the old saying, you know, wet paint, don't touch. Well, I wasn't even thinking about touching it until I saw the sign tell me not to touch it. Now I want to touch it to see if it really is wet. And so there's this thing, and the Bible refers to that in Romans 7 as sin, that um, is utterly sinful. Let me uh, talk about that a little bit. You know, sometimes sin seems like a good idea. It seems like the thing to do at the moment. It seems like, well, yeah, I know it's wrong, but, and then we figure out all the reasons why we need to do it anyway. And then later we realize, okay, it wasn't worth it. It didn't work. But we get fooled again and again and again and over and over and over until uh, we find something better. And that's why he gave us a lot of things that are better. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But the, uh, let's look at a, at a scripture in um, Matthew chapter 5, 17 and 18. So do not think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not 
the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Okay, so Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, I came to fulfill it. Well, he, he did it really in two different ways. Yeah, he kept the law. He didn't break the law. He didn't lie and steal and cheat and dishonor God and take his name in vain. He didn't do all those things in the Big Ten Commandments. He didn't even break any of the little commandments, the ones about what you should and shouldn't do to other people uh, and how you should treat your neighbor and all those things that the laws, the 613 laws of the Old Covenant required. He kept all of those. So in that regard, he fulfilled the law but more importantly, I believe, is he fulfilled what the law taught us. The law showed us some things. Um, you know, the law required sacrifices. They had to kill uh, various kinds of animals and sacrifice that to God. You know, lambs and bulls and they could, there were dove and different things that they could use for the sacrifices. Okay, so the law teaches us something about sin that, Without the, the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins, all right? So through the visualization, the picture of these lambs, these bulls, these goats and things that they sacrificed for our sins, which never actually cleansed anybody, but it's just something God asked them to do. But the true cleansing of sin came by the sacrifice of the lamb, the lamb of God, which was Jesus Christ. And so the law taught us that blood had to be shed for the remission of sin, but we no longer teach the sacrifice of animals. Okay, so the law teaches us, but we don't teach the law. And that's a very important principle, a reality that we're going to look at right now. In uh, Galatians chapter 4, he, he talks about a particular part of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, that we can read about. And he shows us how that circumstance, the people there, they represented things, types, shadows, allegories, the Bible calls them. And what, what is that there for? Well, not so that we would go repeat that people from that country are slaves and people from this country are free, but so that we'd realize that there was a bigger a bigger point that God was making that applies to us that has nothing to do with nationality. So let's look at that. Galatians 4, verse 21 to 31, it says, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? Okay, so the Galatians were trying to put themselves under the law, and he's telling them not to do that, but he does tell them to listen to the law. Let the law teach you something. Don't teach the law. Don't, people, don't teach people to follow the rules and regulations of the law, but let the law teach us something bigger, all right? Verse 22, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one of the bondwoman and one of the free woman. But the son of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and the son of the free woman through the promise. This is, an, this is allegorically speaking, for these women are two covenants one proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children who are to be slaves, she is Hagar. Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. He's, he's drawing a parallel. She represents Mount Sinai. What was Mount Sinai? That's where the law was given. Okay, verse 25. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and this corresponds to the present Jerusalem, the Jewish nation, for she is in slavery with her children. 
but the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout who are not in labor. For more are the children of the desolate than the one of the, who has a husband. And you, brethren, like Isaac, child of the promise, are children of promise. But as at that time, uh, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also, uh, so it is now also. But what does, it, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, that the bondwoman shall not be an heir, uh, for the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but children, but of the free woman. Okay, so what is this all about? He's saying these two ladies can teach us something. Not because there was something wrong with Hagar or her son Ishmael. Um, the grace of God was available to them like it is any other human being on the planet. You know, when he made the promise to Abraham, he said, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Every one of them. Not just yours or direct descendants, but everybody. People that don't have any connection to the Jewish nation at all, physically, still get blessed through the promises made to Abraham. How does that apply? Well, you have the Messiah who came through the nation of Israel, Jesus Christ, and he died for everybody. All right, so how does this teach us? Well, in Galatians it says that the law is weak, worthless, elemental, and enslaving. If you want to go back to that, you're just putting yourself under a system that's weak. It doesn't really do anything for you. And it actually makes slaves out of you. Just like it says here in Galatians uh, chapter 4, um, living under that covenant is, is enslaving. Why? Because it's a constant trying to be something that I can't be rather than just allowing Christ to do something in me that's very different. And that's give me a new life. Um, you know, I've struggled with this myself a lot over the years because I still, you know, that light, boom, it comes on. I just told something that wasn't true. I just did something that wasn't kind. I was just selfish or whatever. Okay, and it, it shines a light on it. But again, the light doesn't fix anything. It just reveals something. All right? What fixes the problem that you and I have is this new covenant. Now, he talks about how the son of the bondwoman, Hagar, persecuted the son of the free woman, which was Sarah, and their sons Ishmael and Isaac. Well, if you go back and read the story, Ishmael would always aggravate Isaac and tease him and make fun of him and whatever else he did. And it really upset the mothers, you know, and eventually Abraham sent Hagar and Ishmael away to stop all the fussing and fighting. Uh, which, who knows, maybe that's what leads to a lot of the fussing and fighting between those nations today, even, uh, because of the separation that occurred and the jealousy and all that kind of stuff. But the, pro the problem is, you and I have this thing, like it says, the one born according to the flesh, rather than the one born according to the promise, is that you and I have this thing called the flesh. And it's just our old way of doing things, and I don't know about you, but it persecutes me daily. <laughs> Yeah, it wants me to do things that felt good before, but now just make me feel sick at my stomach if I do them today. 
because I've been changed. I have a new nature. Uh, my desire is to please God. And when I, when I head off in that old direction, it doesn't help me. It, 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 it tears me down. It, it makes me uh, feel like, you know, I've really disappointed God. He probably doesn't love me anymore. I'm such a loser. And the accuser of the brethren jumps in on that deal, and here it goes. All right, so how do I fix that? Well, it's not by trying to memorize and keep the rules because they're the ones that kind of stir up the flesh. Um, the scripture is real plain about that. That, you know, he told him in Galatia, he said, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh, which was keeping the law? Well, no, the flesh is my problem. And trying to keep the law to be righteous before God is just an act of flesh. It's proud. It's, it's like Paul said in, in Philippians 3, he had to give up all of that to become righteous by faith and get to know him and then the power of his resurrection and all those things. It's a whole different system. All right, so the law is still good, righteous, and holy. It's still a bright light in dark places, but it won't actually fix anybody's problem. You can't um, overcome sin with the law. It tends to actually stir up sin. So how do we overcome sin and those things that we wish we could change, that we know that God is actually seeking to change in us through maturity and helping us grow? Well, we learn to trust him and follow him. It's a simple deal. That's why it says, the son of the free woman. We, we have been given freedom. Another passage in Galatians says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Chapter five, verse one. But don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. All right, so I've been set free not to just do whatever would feel good in the moment, but I'm free to actually walk by the Spirit, to do those things that my Father is doing in the moment. And a number of weeks ago, we looked at how Jesus said, the things I do, I do not do in my own initiative. Basically, what he said was, whatever I see the Father doing, that's what I do. I only say what I hear him say. I don't even speak of my own initiative, he said. And so in the end, what we have is a relationship with the living God who happens to be our father that is constantly leading us in the ways that are true to him, true to his nature, because he's placed his nature in us by new birth. It's a whole different system. It's, an, it's a covenant of life, not a covenant of death. You know, one scripture says that the... Uh, The law is a ministry of death etched in stone. It's weak. Um, it doesn't actually give life. The spirit gives life, but the letter kills. We just looked at that. And so what are we doing with the law? Well, we should read it. Why? Because it teaches us. But what we don't want to do is turn around and teach the law. And it may sound like devil talk, but it really isn't. The law teaches me about honesty. It teaches me about the damage that cause, that I cause if I put myself above other people and don't love my neighbor. It teaches me what it looks like if I take the name of the Lord in vain and um, treat him as nothing or small. It teaches me things like that. But I don't overcome those problems by trying to just adhere to the rules I overcome those problems 
by following the one who's different. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. It says our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Well, what, how, what does that mean? Well, if I'm trusting God enough that in, let's say in a relationship that's difficult, and what I want to do is get even or strike out or pull away or something that would actually be damaging, uh, the Holy Spirit wants to move into that situation. Maybe he does want to be silent for a while and not stir up any more hurt than what's already there by trying to force himself into a situation. You know, I don't see Christ forcing himself into my mind in life, but he's, he's always beckoning me in to where it's calm and peaceful. All right, so learning to listen to and follow the Holy Spirit. Who is he? Well, he's God. He's living inside of you if you're a believer. And he's not clueless about what to do in this moment. And so these two covenants, you know, the old one was an outward performance-based thing that we could never live up to. The new one is an inward life thing that is not about I'm trying to do things to impress God so he'll give me life, but I'm learning to live life that he's given to me already, not to impress him, but to expose him, to, to reveal him to the world around me uh, so that he, his life be, is lived through me. You know, one of the great verses that encapsulates this is in the same book of Galatians we've been talking about. Verse two, or chapter 2, verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's a very important phrase, gave himself up for me. The, the proof of God's love was the act of Christ on the cross, giving himself up for me. And so I'm learning to live that by faith. Trust him in the moment. Well, what he wants me to do, hmm, I don't know, be kind to my enemy. Uh, love those and pray for those who persecute me. Mm, I don't know about that. Well, he loved you and prayed for you when you were his persecutor. Uh, and he, he died for you. And so he's, he's, he's teaching us how to trust him to the point that when we live our lives, it's in faith in the one who's living that same life already, uh, that he is loving that person in front of me. Okay, what does he want me to do in this situation? Is it be quiet? Is it speak up? Is it perform some act of kindness? Who knows? There's no set rule, and that's the part that maybe seems a little bit hard, but it actually simplifies it. I don't have to go learn a bunch of rules and make sure I cross all the T's and dot all the I's. I just need to listen in the moment and be available for him to speak and act through me by faith. You know, it's not going to happen if I don't trust him. And so the law is a good thing. It's righteous, it's holy, it was given for a purpose, but that purpose was not to make us acceptable before God. It was only there to reveal our unacceptability before God so that we would turn to him and be saved by faith and dwelt by his Holy Spirit, brought into his family, and then through a nurturing process, help us to um, respond in the moment throughout our days in a way that reveals the Spirit of God within us as he, his words are coming out of our voices and his actions are being performed by our hands. Okay, so if the law is good. Do we live by the law? No, we live by the Spirit. Do we teach the law? No, we don't teach the law, but the law teaches us. It shows us things. It, it 
it helps us understand, like these two ladies help us understand the two covenants. There's other laws that help us understand things. But we're not teaching people to keep laws. We're teaching people to live in a relationship with the living God. Okay, well, I know that that's a pretty quick encapsulation about some thoughts concerning the law. If you have any questions, please contact me. I'd be glad to talk to you about that. Uh, don't hear me say that the Old Testament's of no value. I read it a lot. I love the Old Testament. I tend to learn with pictures, these allegories and types and shadows, you know, like uh, the different ones. Like G Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That's a, that's a type. It's a shadow. It's an allegory of Jesus Christ had to die for our sins, and those who look to him are healed from the sting of death, which is sin, just like the people in the wilderness were healed from the snake bites that were killing them when they looked at the serpent on the pole. And so we learn from the law, but we don't teach the law. We don't have a, a serpent on a, a bronze serpent on a pole out here in front of our house or somewhere to you know, keep us from dying from snake bites. We don't teach that. We don't even do that anymore. Uh, in fact, the children of Israel turned that snake into an idol. He said, no, 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 and they had to destroy the idol because they thought the snake on the pole was a, was a big deal. No, it was just there to teach us something, and that's what the law is for. Uh, it really helps us even today. But let's pray. Father, thank you for your incredible wisdom on how you um, have given us all these pictures and types and shadows to look at, to help us understand and conceptualize the truth through Jesus Christ and your love for us. Uh, help us not to uh, get caught up in trying to live up to particular regulations, but really just walk in the Spirit in a relationship with you, our living God, Father. We pray in Christ's name, amen.